Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am Chad, your host on One Guy with a Mic, Sportscast. Where it's the podcast where I bring the stats so you can state the facts. Well, this week's episode, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs and a little bit of a season review. Not much of a season review. We're just going to go over stat leaders. You know, discuss the Lakers because I absolutely hate the Lakers. So anytime they lose, I feel a little bit more, a little bit more proud of my team choice, the Clippers. Also, uh, I need a big give my give a shout out to all my Canadian fans out there. Thanks for looking out for for your boy. Um, we are currently ranked number two hundred and thirty four on the Canadian Sports Podcast, so that's pretty awesome, according to Apple. So that's a plus. I love it. Love to hear that stuff. All right. Well, baseball season's underway, so. Let's start, let's talk about overreactions and underreactions. Uh, the Cubs have won two games already this year, uh, which is way more than I thought they were going to have done by the time the second week of the season started. So that's a plus. Um, I don't think it was going to be as bad as as the Cubs team that started zero fourteen, you know. But I thought it was going to be pretty bad. He is say Ian Happ has shown up and showed out. So, but now he got hit by a pitch on Saturday and is currently on a day-to-day basis. Uh, So, there's that. You also have the Yankees beating down the Red Sox. So, that's fun. I always like to see when the Red Sox lose, too. And all my Yankees Twitter is just blowing up with how, how that team is doing right now as well. Which, that... As I have found myself on Yankee Twitter, which I seem to find a lot of Yankees fans for some reason on Twitter, like, which is fine. Like, I don't have a problem with the Yankees at all. Like, they are where they are. But to watch your guys' tweets after the lockout ended and how they're like, you need story. You need one of the pitchers off the A's. You need to go after Freddie Freeman. You need to do this. You need to do that. And... Then they go out and trade Gary Sanchez and Urshela for IKF and Donaldson and move Torres to second, which Torres isn't even starting every day, which is fine, you know. But to see you guys all upset how they didn't get a Freeman, how they didn't get Story, how they didn't get whoever that you wanted them to get, how they didn't do that, and then to start off the season the way you have by beating the Red Sox twice to... Now you guys are like, yeah, Stanton's the man, and 
I understand re-signing Aaron Judge for five hundred million dollars. I mean, now let's get into some of his career NBA stats quick. He had a career average is thirty point one points per game. He averaged six point two rebounds per game and five point three assists per game. That's some gaudy numbers. He's only behind in steals to John Stockton. And Jason Kidd. First team ballot Hall of Famer. He's also in the FIBA Hall of Fame. He's won Olympic gold in 84 and 92. He won gold at the Tournament of Americas. And he's got a gold Pan American Games medal as well. And y'all wonder sometimes why us that grew up watching Jordan thinks he's the best, the greatest player of all time. The guy created his own brand. His brand is still relevant today. He's still worth $1.3 billion every year off of his, off the Air Jordan brand. His number one selling shoe is the Retro Ones, which stopped being distributed in 2015. He's had had deals with Hanes, Gatorade. The guy is a cultural icon. Space Jam, it came out in 1996 and grossed over $200 million at the box office. Yeah, granted, he wasn't, like, the best actor. And you can say, and if you're a movie critic, you can say, well, that movie is trash. But to the basketball fans and the kids in the 90s, that movie is straight gold. That movie is, that's one of those movies that you're like, hey, well, let's watch some 90s movies. And we throw on Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Space Jam, and Happy Gilmore. Like, that pretty much sums up our entire 90s collection as kids for movies. He cited David Thompson and Walter Davis and Jerry West as influences to his game. His game has influenced LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and others. Vince Carter gave up his all-star starting spot in Jordan's last all-star game for him to be the starter. Wright Thompson described him as a killer in the Darwin, in the Charles Darwin sense of the word, immediately sensing and attacking someone's weakness spot. The Bulls built their organization around him. As a player, there's nobody like him. Larry Bird even quoted that, saying that there's only one Michael Jordan. and Or actually, what he said was, God has came back in the form of Michael Jordan. Larry Legend said that after a playoff battle in the 80s. He unretired... He retired to go play baseball 
And yeah, I understand there's gambling rumors out there, but I legit think he just got tired of basketball because he could just dominate anybody on the floor. And as a competitor, he needed a new challenge. So he went and tried playing baseball. And I mean, the guy even did well there. And not like well, well, I mean, like he played at Birmingham, but still. I mean, he did play in an exhibition between the Cubs and the White Sox. No one has matched what Jordan has been able to do since. We can talk LeBron. We can talk Kobe. Yeah, LeBron's got more points scored. Kobe, you know, had an outside shot. But, and Kobe had that killer instinct just like Jordan. He is in the base, he's in the basketball hall of fame as an individual and also as the dream team. He's. He was voted the number one athlete of the 20th century over Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali. He owns part of the, he, well, he was, he's still majority owner of the Hornets. Um, He's not the sole owner anymore. He still has Jordan. He still goes out and plays golf. I mean, he played he played golf with Charles Barkley during the 93 finals just so that we, he could crush him on the floor the next day. He beat the likes of Magic Johnson, Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley, John Stockton and Carl Malone. Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. He beat Shaq and he broke up the Magic. The Magic beat him in the second round when he came back from retirement. And then the next year, the Bulls beat them and broke up that team. Patrick Ewing doesn't have a ring because Michael Jordan. Magic Johnson Johnson doesn't have six rings because of Michael Jordan. Larry Bird doesn't have four rings because of Michael Jordan. Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the dream team because of Michael Jordan. Like, he let it be known that once you stepped on the floor with him or at any competition, he was going to destroy you. And that's what he did. He developed a jump shot. He admits that the Air Jordan brand, you know, took away some of the jump shot because everybody wanted to dunk. That's what everybody wants to do. But you can't sit here and tell me that there's someone better. You can't sit here and tell me a guy that goes that has four rings is better than a guy with 
six rings, and rings don't even matter to me. Like, I've already discussed that. Championships really don't matter. But the stats and the way Jordan played, when he's winning on offense and then he's playing defense, and he's not slacking on defense either, he's guarding Clyde Drexler. He's guarding Gary Payton. He's guarding Magic. And that's the thing. That Laker, 91 Lakers team wasn't soft. Like, that 91 Lakers team had already was, yeah, it was on the tail end of their 80s runs. But still, they were not soft. Let's see. This guy averaged 38.3 minutes per game for a career. He shot 49% from the field. He shot 32% from the three-point range. However, three-pointers weren't a huge thing when, you know, during that time. Like, you drove the bucket, you did mid-range shots. He had a 83% free throw percentage. And he averaged almost a block a game. Even in his last year, his average line was 20 points. And this is at him at, I think he was 40... How old was Mr. Jordan? In? Yeah, he would have been 40. So his last year was he turned 40 during the season. And he averaged 20 points, 3.8 assists, 6.1 rebounds. He shot 82% from the line, 44% from the field, and he still played 37 minutes a game. And that was without even starting 15 games. If Jordan was on the court, you're going to lose most times. Yeah, did he have his bad games? Yes. But there are few and far between. Like, Jordan is an icon. He was compared to Julius Irving coming up. And we all know how good Julius Irving was, right? I mean, go on YouTube. I'm sure you can find some highlights of him in the NBA and the ABA. Jackson compared Jordan's dominance to Shaquille O'Neal, stating Michael would get filed on every play and still have to play through it and just clear himself for shots instead and would rise to that occasion. Al Michaels once said, that he was able to read a basketball box score on a 27-inch television clearly from about 50 feet away. Try that. I know we don't have 27-inch TVs around much anymore, but why don't you find one and try that? Let me t- Tell me how hard that is. Like, this 92... 92- or the 1996 Bulls went 72 and 10 
Do you know? Oh, sorry. I take that back. That wasn't the 96-97 Bulls. That was the 95-96 Bulls that went 72-10. and 10. The 96-97 Bulls went 69-11. and 11. And the 97-98 Bulls went 62-20. and 20. So, yeah. There, and you could say uh, that you had, well, you had Rodman and Pippen and Jordan. Okay, that's fine. But you still had Kukoc and Kerr. Like, that team was dominant. Their first seven guys off the bench would just, dominate you in the playoffs (laughs) here's another deal so uh, I wish I would have found Jordan's playoff record other than six to see how many games he actually lost but it wasn't many because in the 90s anyways in the 80s he got beat up Oh, man. In the 80s, anytime he went to the playoffs, he had to play Detroit. He had to play Boston. And they would just beat him up. I mean, he did score. He does have a playoff career high against the Celtics. That is still not has not been broken yet. Because the Celtics were like, hey, we're just going to let Jordan score and not everybody else. He put up 63 points in a playoff game. The the Trailblazers... Still regret drafting Sam Bowie. They only did it because they needed a center. I mean, when you still have the best player on the board, I'm sure you take the best player on the board, right? Like, that's what we have to do. The the Pistons would hit him every time he came into the lane. You talk about guys going in and getting fouled now. Well, guess what? They didn't call fouls. If a guard came into the middle of the paint, he was getting hit on his butt. He was going to land on his rear end, and they weren't going to call a foul. That's all there is to it. The Today's game is completely changed. Because of the bad boy Pistons, the Lakers, the the Malones, the Kemp's of the world. I don't think half of this league could play back in the 80s and 90s. There's some that could, but I think half of them couldn't. Because a lot of them rely on that shot from deep. They rely on... Uh, they can't take a foul. Um, so, yeah. I mean, st- he once punched Steve Kerr in the face because they got an argument 
at practice. It's just mind-boggling. How well he does. He has done with his career. As everything. Here's a little here's a guy from North Carolina and got cut from his varsity basketball team as a sophomore because he said he was too short at 5'11. And then he became the greatest player of all time. And I don't understand and I understand that's a, a an, an opinion. I understand that it's completely opinionated right there. When I say he's the greatest player of all time, I understand that is my opinion and nobody else's. But when people are still looking up to him and still trying to 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 be him, not to be him be him, but just to get on that level. That is the crazy part. That's what's ridiculous. Yeah. Here, 1985-86, as a 22-year-old in the NBA, he put up 63 points. And he grabbed 19 rebounds one game. Like, he could do it all. As a 6'6 guard out of North Carolina... He did it all on the court. And Jackson built the offense around... The triangle offense was built around Jordan. But... He... But why not? But why not build that offense around Jordan? Why not let the triangle offense run through Jordan? Before his... Before he started his championship run in the 90s, he had been to the Eastern Conference Finals in 89 and in 90. So he was already on the cusp. Okay, He got beat by Detroit in 89. He got beat by Detroit in seven games in 1990. And then it was just straight domination. The Lakers in the finals beat them 4-1. Portland beat them 4-2. Phoenix beat them 4-2. Orlando, or not, sorry, Orlando. Seattle beat them 4-2. In 96. 97, the Jazz in 4 and 2. 98, 4 and 2. He went to a game 7 against Indiana in 98, won that. He went to a game 7 against the Knicks in 92 and won that. <laughs> so, he played in he went to a game seven against Detroit in 1990, lost that one. So the man has played in one, 
to three game sevens. That's all he played. He's played three game sevens his entire career. That means he's... <laughs> he straight up finished teams off. After that 90-95 Orlando series, when they lost 2-4 in the Eastern Conference semis, he'd never lost a playoff matchup ever again. After he lost in the Eastern Conference Finals against Detroit, he did not lose another series, playoff series, ever again. <laughs> like, who's going out there to beat you? That, that was it. And you know what? This is fitting. It's 23 minutes. I'm going to call it great. Jordan, if you want more info on him, go to basketballreference.com. Look up his stats. Go to YouTube. Watch his videos. He wore 45. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> he wore 45 and then got fined when he switched back to 23 because Nick Anderson decided to make a comment about how 45 doesn't look as well as 23 does. 45 is pretty flat. Then he comes out and puts up, and just, yeah, granted he lost the series, but then he still comes out and puts up 38 points the next game against Nick Anderson. <laughs> as he's wearing 23, get the Bulls and him both get fined for it. And then he just started wearing 23 again. He had to wear number 12 in 1991 against the Magic at one, one point. But this is, we talk about great players. We talk about Larry Bird, Walking into a three-point contest and set, looks around in the room and says, who's going to finish second? Larry Bird also won a three-point contest at the NBA All-Star Game without taking off his shooting jacket. Here's Jordan. When he decides to come back to basketball, he sends a fax that just says, I'm back. And then went out and did Jordan things. That baseball hiatus, I think, reinvigorated Jordan. I think he went out and he failed. I wouldn't even say it was a failure, but he did bat 200 and didn't get out of the minor leagues. Um, but he was... I think if he would have been a few years younger and not 31, he probably could have made it as a baseball player too. Because he could read... He could read the ball off the bat for an outfielder. He could run and steal bases... And eventually, he worked so hard that he could finally hit the curveball. Because that was the biggest thing that he couldn't do. If he is younger, he is definitely making it a baseball career. And look, also think about this. We have baseball and football players that wear his shoes as cleats. His net worth is $1.6 y'all. 
let me know how that works out for anybody else. So, and also, he had to quit baseball because of the strike because he didn't want to be a replacement player, which I get. I really hope that this lockout gets over and we stop and we don't have to have that issue. really hope the owners get their head out their asses. So, his one year, let's just talk about baseball quick, and then, and then, uh, yeah, let's, let's just talk about this quick. So, he played 127 games with the Birmingham Barons in 1994. Had 497 plate play appearances, 436 at-bats. He had 46 runs. He had 88 hits, 17 doubles, one triple, three home runs, drove in 51 RBIs. Now, here, here's a great stat. He had 30 stolen bases. 18 caught stealings. He walked 51 times. He struck out 114 times. I mean, we look at 114 times now, like, jeez. That guy, that guy really had a lot of play appearances. His batting average was 202. Not great. But again, he didn't get into the swing of things until halfway through the season. On-base percentage was 290. Slugging percentage was 266. OPS was 556. He had 116 total bases. He only grounded into four double plays. He had four hit by pitches, three sack hits, three sack flies, no intentional walks. He had a 95% fielding ratio percentage. He had six assists from the outfield. I mean, he did come in 11 errors, but still. Yeah. He could do it. He could just do it all. I mean... As a kid from the 90s, we had posters of Jordan on our wall. We had to buy the new Jordans that came out. I remember I, as soon as I got my first paycheck, I went out and bought a pair of Jordans. Jordan 12s were the first pair of Jordans I ever had. And then there was the 13s. And... The guy is a legend, and I am very thankful I got to see him play as a kid growing up to appreciate what he did, to appreciate everything he put in the game. So, and that's the beauty about, I'm going to really age myself here, but that's okay. That's the beauty about the guys my age or the fans, the basketball fans my age that grew up in the 90s. And we saw Jordan play. We then got to see Kobe play. Then we got to see LeBron play. We got to see Larry Bird at the end of his career. We got to see Magic Johnson as well. We got to see the glove, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, David Robinson, Timmy Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Shaquille O'Neal. We got to see these dudes come up and show out their game and try to beat each other every single night. No one was hopping on teams 
to be with their friends. Because rarely were they friends outside of outside of basketball. Paul Pierce still hates LeBron James to this day. Because <laughs> Paul Pierce is an old school guy. No way was Paul Pierce is going to be like, I'm going to go join up with LeBron. Like, no. The, the 90s basketball, you guys have no idea how special of a time that was. Because you had three-point shooting. You had shooters like Reggie Miller. You had guys like John Starks. You had Charles Oakley's. Who, by the way, Charles Oakley was Jordan's best friend when he was on the Bulls. Because Oakley was his enforcer. Like... I... I... It it blows my mind sometimes on how people are like, LeBron James is way better than Jordan. He's not. (laughs) Yes, is LeBron James the best player in this generation? Yes. Yes, he is. Can does he have more assists? Yes, because guess what, James plays a has played more of a point forward career. He's modeled his career after Magic Johnson. If you compare James and Johnson, and watch those, that's who you have. You have a six foot nine point guard. Okay. No one's like Jordan. Six six shooting guard, small forward, could guard all five positions if he had to. Get you a rebound, go down another end and score the game. The dude was clutch. And there was three things that made up the 90s. Jordan, hip-hop, and pagers. No, I really had like all three of them lined up earlier and I wrote it down and now I don't know what I did with it. So yeah, it was Jordan and hip hop basically that is what influenced the 90s. Allen Iverson beat Jordan off the dribble. But guess what? Jordan still beat him. Yeah. You guys really need to go on YouTube and start watching some Jordan highlights. That's all there is to it. He inspired so many kids to play basketball. He inspired so many people just to try to be great at whatever they do. The guy is an influential person. Whether it's on a field, on a basketball court, on a golf course, or even as a business person. So, happy birthday, Michael Jordan. Thank you for providing... the entertainment and showing others the desire and the will to win. Thank you for that. Thank you for being you. And I know you're probably not going to hear this podcast, but I don't, 
I just want to say thanks, Michael Jordan. You made a lot of kids that are now grown-ass adults extremely happy in the 90s. And on that note, um, y'all have a great day. I'll be on tomorrow. We'll be dropping Friday's podcast tomorrow still. Um, We have... We're going to talk the NBA season since this is the All-Star break and how fittingly the All-Star break always rolls rolls around when it's Jordan's birthday. That's the epitome of the NBA right there. We're going to... I have emails from listeners. So we are going to... I got one of them answered. All the other ones, I will get to yours, I promise. But I do have a response to the one. So... To at least one of them. All right. Y'all have a great day. And hey, don't forget that you have to hit the follow button and the bell. So that way I get into your playlist and then you get a notification when I drop another podcast. Let's keep growing this thing. I appreciate y'all. Have a great day. Uh, Philly's 23 assists, Toronto's 22. Steals, 7.65, almost 9 for Toronto. Blocks, 5.3 for Philly, 4.62 for Toronto. Field goal percentage, again, two points separate him. 46 for Philly, 44 for Toronto. Free throw percentage, 81 and 75. That's the only huge difference that they are, is Philly's the better free throw shooting. But when you got Harden that shoots 89%, I mean, that helps. Then three-point-wise, it's 36 and 34. So, yeah, it's going to be a close series. I'm not a fan of Doc Rivers, um, but I think he can get... because he does. I'm not a fan of Doc Rivers because he doesn't make in-game adjustments. I've talked about that before. He doesn't make in-game adjustments, and therefore it's hard for me to appreciate him as a coach. Um, and sometimes you don't need to make those in-game adjustments, but playoff times you do. So, his drought of so his drought of championships is going to continue this year. Uh, Philadelphia wins this series 4-2, 4-3, somewhere in there. Um, it's not going to be a sweep. It's not going to be a 4-1 series either. Toronto's a better team than that. And Toronto could pull off the upset. Um, but especially if Harden goes really cold and they can stop and beat. And over a, you know, when you're playing the same team seven times, it's easier to, it's a lot way, a lot better to game plan that way. So, so we'll we'll go with Philly. All right, next up is Boston and Chicago. This reminds me of an '80s matchup between the Boston and Chicago, but that was Bird and Jordan, and this is going to be Tatum and Levine. Um, Chicago was hot. I mean, they were the one seed. They were the they were the one seed at the All Star break, and for a while there, they looked like they were the team to beat in the East. And then they just fell off. I mean, they just fell off. So, where Boston looked like they were gonna have to trade some pieces, gonna start rebuilding, and then all of a sudden they caught fire. And 
It was, it's the, you know, the misfortunes of the two. Like, they basically flip-flopped. So, uh, Boston's record is 50 and 31. Probably going to be 51 and 31. Be the third seed. Um, They averaged 111 points per game, gave up 104, which they are the, they have the second best, uh, defensive rating in the NBA. The Celtics do. And I think that with them being that efficient on defense is going to help them in these playoffs. Cause if you can just get, cause the playoff basketball is all about getting stops and then scoring off those stops. And the Celtics could definitely do that. Um, Boston with DeRozan, Vucevic, uh, Lonzo Ball is out for the year, so that sucks. So, um, but yeah, I mean, DeRozan, he's been a good player all year. Still have Levine. I think uh, Boston is just too hard for them. They spread the ball around well, way too much. Uh, and Boston is just going to, I wouldn't say roll this series, but they'll win it. The Bulls might sneak one out. The Bulls might just sneak one of them out, but that's about it. So, so I think Boston goes 4-1, 4-2. I mean, it's going to be a good series, but it's not going to be a great series. It's not going to be like those old Boston-Chicago matchups that used to be. So now we got the 2 and the 7 over here on the east. You got Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Two heavyweights. This this was probably supposed to, I think this was the projected matchup for the for the was Eastern Conference Finals at the start of the year for a lot of people. But here we have it in the first round. Okay, we have it in the first round. Uh, Brooklyn is got Irving and Durant now. Um but the the Bucks have Antakunupo, Holiday, and Middleton. Like their three have stuck around a little bit. So let's. And the funny thing is, so I'm looking at these stats on ESPN. So I'm getting all my stats. I'm getting my team comparisons from ESPN.com. Um, I got my league leader stat from BasketballReference.com. Okay, um, but I'm looking at. Brooklyn stat leaders and since Durant nor Irving make the 58 game minimum they their leading scorer this year was Patty Mills at 11.4 points per game <laughs> now that's funny that's hilarious to me that you have Durant and Irving and due to those guys not playing the minimum number of games you have Patty Mills as your leading scorer alright so the head to head to match up this year uh, Milwaukee won three out of the four games with the la- the last one going to overtime and Antetokounmpo won 40 had 44 points to Durant's 26 which he was the high so but Irving is Irving and he's probably you have two of the best shooters right now in the NBA with Irving and Durant on the same team and either one of them can go off, as has been seen throughout the season, can go off for 60 points a game. The downside to these two teams, or 
at least um, the downside of the Nets is they don't play defense that well. Um, that's for sure. They're not really. They're they're nineteenth for a points per opponent points per game, and their defensive rating is nineteenth as well. So they don't really have they don't really play that well of defense. Where Milwaukee is a, has a little bit better on the defensive end. Milwaukee's definitely going to have to rely. If Middleton and Holiday can't get going, and it's relying all upon Giannis to to win the game, I think Giannis can take it over and win it, but this, but I don't think he can do it for four games to get four wins out of this deal. So definitely um, Brooklyn has the advantage there. And I'm leading with an upset here. And I wouldn't even really call it an upset because I think Brooklyn can do it. I mean, they're throughout the season they weren't the better team, but I think this matchup, a seven game series, I think Brooklyn wins wins four out of the seven. They uh, the series goes seven games and Brooklyn wins one, and Brooklyn wins it. So and let's just break it down really quick. Um, Points for Milwaukee's 114, points against 111.9. Brooklyn, points for is 112.16, 112.6, and 111.9. So they give about the same points per game. Uh, Rebounding-wise, Milwaukee rebounds at two rebounds a, a game better. Brooklyn moves the ball, two assists better. They have about the same steals, seven. Block shots, it's four and five. They shoot the ball about the same, and they really yeah. So these two teams are very evenly matched up, um, and you know uh, the defensive defensive rating for Milwaukee's thirteenth. So again, not they're not really that stout at defending either, um, but I think if really do just think Brooklyn's going to be able to pull us off. So, next matchups in the second round, you got Miami and Philly. All right. And then so let's start with Miami and Philly. The Heat compared to the 76ers. Now, Jimmy Butler can do Jimmy Butler things, right? So, let's see. So, over the so again, a couple close teams. So now we're getting a little bit closer in and how things took place over the season. Um, they split the season series two two, uh, and Miami had again a hundred, like I said, one hundred and ten, and Philadelphia had one hundred nine point eight. So they scored the same amount of points per game. Philadelphia gives up two more points per game with one hundred and seven and one hundred and three. Again, you got Harden and Embiid, which. Are good, but I think Spolstra is the better coach here. Uh, and the defensive rating for the 76ers is 12th. Uh, their net rating is a plus point 
is a plus 2.6. Um, meanwhile, Miami has a net rating of a plus 4.8. They got a defensive rating, which is fifth in the league. And they're a top 10 offense. So, and they've, their, their points against their opponent points per game is third. So I think the heat hold them in check. I mean, you got Robinson and so Tucker is going to be out for, is going to be reevaluated in a week. Um, he's out a little bit, you know, so, I mean, they're pretty much a healthy squad. And they they can just they'll just be able to own it. I mean, Jimmy Butler is going to show up and do Jimmy Butler things. We got Kyler, Kyle Lowry, Adebayo, uh, Hero, and then you got Robinson. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the Heat, being the one seed, are going to end up winning this thing against the Seventy Sixers. Probably go six games. Doc Rivers still is Doc Rivers, and. Miami makes the Eastern Conference Finals because that isn't that what Butler showed up to do, anyways. I thought so. All right, next up you got Boston and Brooklyn. Now, this is a good match. See, this bottom side of the East is just really good between two sevens and the and the three seven matchup right here, um, because they're very, very, um. They match up very well. So, you got Boston took three out of the four games this year. Um, Boston, again, averages 111 points a game. Brooklyn averages 112. Boston only gives up 104. Brooklyn gives up 111. You got Tatum, Williams, Smart, Jalen Brown. So, you got Grant Williams that can shoot the three. I think that with, even though as much... As well as Brooklyn shoots the ball, you're going to put Jason Tatum on Kevin Durant. You can put Jalen Brown on or Marcus Smart. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already... We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. The Pigskin Tales podcast is all about the lesser-known pro football players. Yes, there are stories about the ones we know, like Brad Tarkenton and Harold Red Grange. But have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? about Dave Osborne or even Grady Alderman. These men created their own path to the NFL. How did they do it? Listen to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Now streaming on your favorite music platform. Go to pigskintales.com. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to Sports historynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.